0: Hello, Sarah. I'm so happy to have you here on my show today. How are you?
1: I'm well and I am delighted to be here.
0: Thank you so much for arranging your time. Uh, I know that we, you know, we changed schedule a little bit. I really wanted to have you on earlier, and I'm just really grateful that you could fit me in your schedule. Firecracker Sarah is actually the creator of Maybe Someday Podcast, which is a podcast for people on the fence about having kids. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, yeah. I, well, that's—I would say—that's the best way to describe it.
0: And when, so I—I I, want to know what was it that um, inspired you to start that podcast?
1: Oh, yeah. That's such a uh, such a big question. I—I um, I was inspired to start the podcast because I was really grappling with the decision whether to have children. And the reason that I was grappling with that decision was because I uh, I had started a relationship with someone who already had a, a daughter and had told me fairly early on that he did not want to have any more children. And I mean, then it was really up to me to decide whether I wanted to you know, continue in this relationship or whether I wanted to uh, end that relationship and, and really, you know, pursue having kids of my own. And I mean, so the backstory to that is, you know, I was 35 when, uh, when I met, uh, my partner and I had been single for a long time before that. So had done a lot of thinking about, you know, whether this was even going to be possible for me. Uh, I also live with a, um, a progressive disease that um, that would have a big impact on my ability to uh, carry a child and then um, care for a child, and so all of that had been in the background, you know, before I met Philip. And when we had those initial conversations about, um, you know, him not wanting to to have any more kids, I, I really, I thought that I had sort of closed that chapter and was like, nope, nope. I'm, you know, I'm pretty sure that this is not something that I want for myself and my life. But after having that conversation, it just, it became more real. And I realized that I was, I was still ambivalent about it. And I, I, the the podcast was really about me untangling how much of wanting to have children was um, was my socialization, and how much of it was actually a, a desire. And when I started looking around to to try to make sense of this for myself, I realized that it, it seemed like I was having to choose a side. You know, there was the side of you know, the sort of motherhood industrial complex of like having children is the most important thing you'll ever do. And being a mom is the most uh, wonderful, valuable, amazing experience you can have. And why wouldn't you want to do that? And so there was that camp. And then on the other side was the, you know, the child-free community that that seemed back then to be really... Um, you know, really focused on, you know, promoting uh, a, a child-free lifestyle, obviously, but but more from a perspective of like, you know, anybody who has kids is an idiot and being child-free is is the best. And there was no, it just felt to me like there was no room for ambivalence and no room for a, sort of a middle ground and just being in this space of like, how do I decide? And that is really what motivated the The podcast was, was just wanting to sort of sit in that ambivalence for a little while and try to make sense of it for
0: myself. That makes total sense. Um, so I have a couple of questions, but I'm gonna start The simple one is, what year was this when you started the podcast?
1: (laughs) Yeah, so this was, um, I mean, this was 2018, I believe, when I started the podcast. That sounds about right. Yeah, it was, I think it was May 2018 that the podcast came out. But i have been, you know, I'd been thinking about this for a while before that. And I just... Yeah, it, I mean, it was really uncharacteristic of me to want to have these conversations in public. I'm a really, I'm a really private person. And, you know, I, I grapple with a lot of my own stuff, you know, on my own, not, not in, in a public space. But there was something about this question and, um, and this sort of ambivalence that I was experiencing that, that really called to me to, um to explore more publicly. And, and that's, that's how the podcast was born.
0: There is something about exploring things publicly that makes the catharsis a little bit easier, I would say, because you find that there are so many people like you, right? When you Mm. started, when I, I don't know, this is, I mean, I'm speaking from my own experience. I don't know if you might, if you would relate to this or not, but I remember when I first came out, quote unquote, came out as child free, I felt I was like the only person in the world because everyone around me was having babies, had babies, or were wanting to have babies. You know, there was like nobody in my social circle. There was only like one person, I think, who just didn't, they didn't even ask themselves the question. So I felt very alone. And then when I started exploring this space, I was like, oh, there's so many of us. And so you start kind of listening to their stories as well. And then you're like, okay, I can see more or less from what other people are telling me that they have found out during their own journey, how that can apply to what I'm feeling, to what I'm going through. And it's actually soothing in a way.
1: It's really soothing. Yeah. And that that has been my experience as well. And I still get messages from people who uh, who tell me how much they appreciate Hearing these conversations in in public and having a space to to talk about you know being child free, feeling ambivalent about making that decision, I'm sure you must get a lot of uh, a lot of comments like that too.
0: Yes, there's a lot of women who reach out to me saying, especially the part of you know I don't feel so alone anymore. Like I know there's more people like me out there, and I I know that by listening to these stories, I can have a very happy and fulfilled life as a child free person, which is I think um i mean i I always say you don't need validation from anyone for you know whatever decision you want to make for your life but hearing that other people have gone through similar situations and have actually you know made it on the other side you know to put it in a way quote unquote like they have happy fulfilled lives or they're okay they're fine in a way it's like okay i'm gonna be fine too you know like if i can do if they can do it i can do it too exactly it feels like that but the reason i asked you about about which year you started the podcast was because you talked about you know how you went into this child-free spaces at the time and it was like oh you know people who have kids are idiots and you know child-free life is the best life blah 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 and i i totally can relate to that experience as well because Mm -hmm. child-free spaces online used to be well some of them are still are but in in general you know they used to be very very toxic. Um, And I think it's because people were just harboring all these insecurities and anger and just guilt and shame and all these things, you know, just for voicing their choice and having someone push back. I mean, it could be family, it could be strangers, colleagues, you name it. Um, And so these spaces were created to vent. Um, Thankfully, this has changed a lot in the past couple of years. But yes, they used to be very toxic.
1: Yeah, and I, you know, and I talked about this on the show, too, about how understandable it is that that there would be this sort of defensive reaction, right, when you're really going outside of the mold and trying to do something that is, you know, quote unquote, socially unacceptable, or not the norm, right. So there's this instinct to defend your choice. And, um and and sometimes that can come across as really uh you know aggressive or disparaging of of other people's choices and i just i just didn't relate to that i just wanted i just wanted my own space to kind of like splash around in in ambivalence for a little while and just come to come to my own peace about it and i felt you know that that being in those spaces where um where the conversations were really about how terrible and awful motherhood is. It just didn't, I didn't find that helpful for
0: me. Yeah. That's not helpful for anyone. (laughs) Honestly, honestly, it's just because you're tearing. I mean, people who have chosen to have kids, it's just like, you know, it's a choice, you know, you either have them or not. Some people are not even aware that it is a choice. I, I think that's one of the biggest reasons why I try to, you know, put the word out there as much as I can just to let people know you can choose but you know being a parent there's I don't see anything wrong with that yes I mean you might have all the reasons in the world to not have a kid but you might also have all the reasons in the world to have one and I feel it's just such a personal thing you know it is yeah and the other question I wanted to ask you was you said something about I'm not going to use the exact words because I don't have like photographic memory, but something uh, like trying to find out how much of that decision is um, influenced by conditioning or like social pressure, I would say, or social rules in a way, and how much of it was actually desire. Mm -hmm. And, And so that's a very interesting question, because I think that that's something that um, I don't I don't think I've actually seen any studies on that. I'm sure there are, but I would really like to know what you're exp- yeah, you know, exploring that. What is it that you found out? I would really mm-hmm. like to know.
1: Yeah, good question. Well, so the, the, the process of the podcast for me, and it, like, it's always funny for me to sort of think of it as like a, a creative project or an art project, but that's really what it, felt like to me it was an opportunity for me to grapple with uh, with a human experience in a in a creative way. and it just happened to you know the form that it took was conversations and reflections that that became public. And so the way that I approached it initially was really trying to understand like okay what does it mean to be a mother and what would i be missing if i didn't have this experience and so i i talked to mothers to to understand you know what the day to day is like for them but also how they view motherhood and how it is sort of incorporated into their identity. And the reason that I wanted to start there was of course because of all of that social conditioning around, you know, it's the most important thing you'll ever it's the most meaningful role you'll ever take, it's the greatest love you'll ever know. Like all of these messages that um that that we are exposed to uh as we're as we're, you know, from a very young age as we're growing up. And you know, what is that what does that really mean? Um, and, you know, at a certain level, I understood that there was no way that I could really understand what it was like unless I experienced it for myself. But I also felt that I could get a really important glimpse into uh, the lives of mothers and to understand, you know, now that they're on the other side of this identity, what it's really like for them. And so that's kind of where I started. Um, and and it really helped me sort of grapple with some of that social conditioning piece. But the other things that I was grappling with at the same time was, you know, who am I to this, uh, to this child who's in my life on a regular basis, right? Like, I didn't really identify with being a, a stepmother. But so if I don't really identify with being a stepmother and not wanting to um to take on or or to take away the role of mother from her you know from her actual mother like what what does that look like and who am i supposed to be to this person and what what is my role and so that was something i explored with some of my guests as well and some of my own reflections and then you know at the at the other end of the spectrum i guess is is the the child free piece and just Trying to have more conversations with women who had chosen to be child-free and how they came to that decision, and what they sort of came up against in their in their communities, in their friendships, in their relationships, uh, you know, that that sort of challenged that choice and and just sort of reinforced the the social norms and so all of those things together were kind of um were were part of this conversation that that I was having with with guests and reflections that I was having for myself and what I realized was that I am I I didn't really want to have kids of my own that became really clear to me over the course of of this sort of creative process was that I was I was totally happy being an auntie to you know to my nieces and sort of an auntie figure, I suppose to um, to my to my bonus kid and just understanding that there were there were other things that I wanted to do with my with my life and my work that uh, that would be more challenging if I was you know, raising a baby. and I guess the other part of it is just sort of realizing that that it 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 really was mostly just feeling like I was missing out on belonging to something like i've always I've always felt like an outsider in one way or another, and you know, joining the 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 motherhood club, the you know and and taking on that identity as a mother was something that I felt like I, I had to do, but also that I, I wanted to do because I wanted to belong. And uh, I think a, a big part of the experience for me in, in doing the show and having these conversations was realizing that I don't, I don't really need that. It's not, it's not necessary. Uh, and, and in fact, I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to take on that identity and I don't want to be part of that belonging and I can find other ways to, to belong, I guess.
0: You're listening to the honest uproar, a podcast where modern child-free women share their life stories and where we discuss important topics for the kid-free community. That hit a nerve. <laughs> it totally, I'm like, I'm sitting here just going, uh-huh. Yep. I totally, mm. like, I can totally relate. I've always felt like an outsider in some way or another as well. Ever since I was a child, I was never the one to fit in. I was never the one to, like, follow the trends, to do what the other girls were doing. And I, I was the weirdo, basically. I was the yeah, little weird kid. <laughs> and I just, after I turned... I would say maybe 15 years old, I was trying so hard to fit in, so hard. It was just like, I need to make myself fit in the mold. And I would just like twist and turn. And you start, you know, you stop doing things that you really love because that's just not, you know, what a lady does or whatever, Um, you know. uh, And you start doing things that you really don't like to do because this is what women my age are doing. And this is the way that I need to fit in with the circle of the social circle, you know, that I... I surround myself with and, and it just, it takes a big toll on you. Oh my God. I just, that lasted maybe 15 years, like from 15, age 15 to age 30, more or less for me. And those years are, you know, you're in your twenties. So it's like the formative years. It's the years in which you're finding your way in life in a way. And, and honestly, um, I could not feel better now that I don't fit at all (laughs) because I just feel so happy with the decisions that I have made after I turned 30 and I'm very thankful that I didn't have a child in my 20s because I would have I was I was going in that exact direction just to fit in so I totally I totally get the whole thing of of you know missing out um and, and the fear of missing out For me, it's twofold. I mean, as a childhood person, um, one is, you know, that not feel that you belong to a group because mummies are usually very tight, especially Mm -hmm. when they have very young children. They start to bond, uh, you know, because children are more or less the same age so they have more or less the same experiences and they start sharing, I don't know, recipes or tips or, you know, information about who the best doctor for the kid is or, you know, all those things that are important to mothers. And I, f- I understand that need to find support, I guess, um, in that specific phase of a child's life, because I have heard, like, I've never experienced it, but I've heard it's really hard on a mother. Yeah. Um, especially in a, in a society like mine, where the child is their mother's, not necessarily their father So the yeah. dads are not hand on, hands-on at all. It's mom does 99% of the things. So I totally get it. But the fear of missing out also sometimes creeps up in a different way for me. And I don't know if you would relate to this, but, you know, the thing is, I think it's different because you have that bonus kid, you called it. Mm. (laughs) I love that expression, a bonus kid. Um, I don't have nieces or nephews, but so sometimes uh, even like I know I'm child free, 100 percent, like I don't want to have children. but Sometimes I I see like a very cute baby and I'm like, oh. And like something inside of me just like kind of like melts, and you have that fear of missing out, like I really want to have that, and then that i'm it is always very fleeting, it's like two minutes, and then I'm like, yeah, but a baby's forever <laughs> so
1: exactly yeah i mean for for me, it was definitely about wanting to feel normal and and to to belong even within my own friend group like when when my when my friends started having children that definitely did happen that they they spent more time together without me because they all had young children and they thought you know why would why would someone who doesn't have kids want to be want to be here it doesn't it doesn't make sense so so I definitely felt that loss of connection with some of my close girlfriends when they had really Young children, because because it's a really intense time, and they didn't really they didn't really think that I wanted to be a part of some of those um, you know gatherings or um, playdates or you know and. Truthfully, I, I didn't, but I, I really missed the connection. But what I what I did have with, with my friends and and my, my siblings who um who have children is I did get to connect with their kids and and take on a, you know an auntie role, whether that was, you know, coming over to to babysit or to spend an afternoon or to go on trips together. And so I did have that connection with children which which is really meaningful to me and then of course now with uh with the the kid who (laughs) comes to our home every other week my my bonus kid um that that is of course a huge part of my life now and so it does feel a little bit weird for me to um to label myself child free when I am a part like a regular part of of a kid's life but I really don't I really don't see myself as her mother. It's more, it's more of a, you know a caring adult role that I that I take on, and that's that's really comfortable for me, and and something that I I didn't realize that I would prefer, but but I actually do think I prefer it. But there was definitely there was definitely a grieving period. It was, you know, a big part of the podcast was, was grappling with that grief around this identity that I wasn't losing. It was more like an identity that I would never experience. And that was weird and confusing in and of itself. Like, how do you grieve something that you've never known? Um, but yeah, I think part of it was grieving that identity, but it was also, you know, grieving grieving the loss of connection with um people I really
0: cared about who were having this experience without me. I think you just describe it perfectly because and I actually was um, having a conversation about this with my community, uh, you know, in regards to like not not a lot of people talk about that child-free people, some not all of not all child-free people, but some child-free people grieve their decision they feel sad and and there's a period of like you mentioned you know it's the adjustment of yes this is what I want but you're not necessarily super pumped when you make the decision because there's things that you're not gonna ever going to experience and like you say you're not gonna belong to that community of mothers but it doesn't mean that you do that you're um regretting your decision it just means that you know, give it, taking that step is also breaking with a lot of rules <laughs> that we have been told since forever that we have to do. You know, the steps that we have to take, the check boxes that need to be ticked, things that need to be accomplished. If you have a womb, you have to have a child. Mm-hmm.
1: So exactly, and like you said, it 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 takes a lot of energy to uh, to go against the grain, right? It's exhausting. Yeah. And one of the things that I talked about a lot on the podcast was that two things can be true, right? And I think that, I think that you just captured it. It's like, you can want to have a child and not have one, or you can decide not to have a child and still feel sad about it. It's not,
0: it's not one or the other. It can be both at the same time. Absolutely. And I think it's important to acknowledge that as well, because some people might feel a little bit, you know, ashamed to 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 feel that way even though you know what I mean like I'm child free and why am I feeling like I'm sad because I'm never going to have kids and that's just normal I think so I think it's important to actually like acknowledge that and to normalize it um doesn't mean that you don't want to be child free it just means that you're you know going through a, a transition period to put it in a way Um, in which you're finding also your footing and, and, you know, just because that's a big decision. Having a child or not having a child, both are very big decisions. And I think people in who have actually taken the time to explore, like you did, you know, all the the things that you have told me so far, how your process was in terms of, you know, going out there and talking to people and exploring and and talking to moms and talking to shelter people, all of this was, Because that was also a way, I mean, you wanted to put that out there, but it was also a way of, of processing what was happening to you at the moment and trying to find your own, you know, to make your own decision. And I feel that it's just so commendable in so many ways, but specifically that you have taken the time to think about it. Because many people, unfortunately, don't even think about, you know, when they become parents, it's not even like something they had thought of. It's just like this accident. It's like, oops, I'm pregnant you know, okay, here we go. Or or like people will be like, okay, got married, next step, have kids. And they don't even think if that's what they want. And then they end up regretting having a child. I think that child-free people in general put a lot, more, a lot more thought into that decision than parents in general. Of course there are exceptions, but um, that's why I feel it's, uh, I mean, if people are ambivalent or on the fence about this decision, It's important to take the time to think about it, basically, and to explore the way, I mean, what the best way is for you to actually process all those thoughts and feelings. Absolutely, absolutely. And that,
1: you know, it's really, it's always been really important to me to be intentional about the life that I create for myself and so that that was really a a deep motivation for me to to do this thinking and that that was my experience when when I interviewed a lot of the 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 folks who were child free by choice was this um this this intentional quality to to their decision making and one of the most enlightening interviews I had was uh was one where we talked about ambivalence around having children being a, like a spiritual journey. And I, <laughs> I mean, I, I really, uh, I don't love the term spiritual journey. I think it's, it's tired, it's overused. But, but the concept, I really, really resonated with the concept in this conversation that I had. It was, you know, recognizing that it is, it is a deeply personal choice about how you want to live your life. And coming to terms with how you want to live your life is, uh, you know, is a spiritual experience and not everybody, uh, you know, goes through that. The, the folks who are checking off um, the, the boxes in terms of living a, you know, a, a, a sort of normal or um, sort of socially acceptable life don't necessarily grapple with that in the same way, but they're their spiritual journey comes at some some other stage, right? But for for folks who are making the decision about whether or not to have children, it is just the 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 intention and the focus that you put on answering that question for yourself is really a lot about what you want your your life to look like. And that that is those are questions
0: worth asking for sure. Absolutely. And you just reminded me of something because Yes, spiritual journey is such a tired uh, expression, but it, it just, it fits perfectly with what you said. And I feel, so there was this article that was published on Medium. I don't remember who the author is, but it's um, it's this woman who, she's a mother and she kind of sort of, in a way, not really regrets, but she's finding motherhood very hard, right? And one of the things that mm-hmm. she says that she wrote in this article was, I guess, you know, the spiritual growth comes with pain, referring to everything that she has to go through while raising her children and I found that so I don't even know what the word is but I was angry when I read that because I felt like in a way her she was saying that her kid or kids I don't remember if she was a mother of one or or two I can't remember exactly but in a way it was like they were her instrument for spiritual growth you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like Mm -hmm. she had the kids because motherhood, right? You have to do it. Um, So she took that step, ticked that box. And then she was like, okay, it's painful, but like I'm growing through my children. And I was like, oh my God. (laughs) Like if human beings only understood that spiritual journeys and awakenings and explorations are such a like an individual thing you can't rely on other people to do that and and let alone a child you know how you know the the pressure on these kids I don't I mean to me it was just I don't know what do you think about that
1: yeah yeah I mean I I agree with you on on one hand for sure that you should not use other people as uh as tools for for your personal development but i also think that personal development does not happen in a vacuum you can't you know lock yourself in a room and do all this inner work and then emerge and and be changed i don't i don't buy that i don't think it's realistic i think that personal growth comes from your your experiences and your interactions with others and how you reflect on those experiences. Um, so I, you know, I think there's a, a bit of nuance there, but I, I mean, I agree with you that, that looking at your children as a, as a tool for personal growth is, yeah, it's, it's a bit gross. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think, Lately, there have been a lot. There's been a lot more openness about how how challenging motherhood actually is, and so yeah, I would I would be curious to know when that article was written because I think I think it has been fairly recently that it's that those conversations are a lot more public than they used to be, and a lot of the the, the struggles and the challenges and the loneliness and the rage <laughs> that um, that accompanies motherhood has not has not really been talked about all that much. So, you know, on I, I can see that being part of part of her conversation.
0: Yeah, I'm going to find it. Definitely find it. Mm-hmm. So like anyone can check it. Anyone who wants to check it out can go and check it out. Um, circling back to something that you mentioned two minutes ago or five minutes ago, um, you said something about, you know, your bonus kid and how that kind of like make, makes you not, not less child-free. I don't remember exactly what the expression was, but sort of like being child-free and having this bonus kid. And that is an ongoing debate on the child-free community. Um, there's a lot of purists who say that, oh, you can't be, you really can't be child-free if your partner has a a daughter or a son or, you know. They, they have offspring in general um if you're a stepmom or you're a stepdad you can't be child free like there's these rules right and I feel that that's just stupid yeah. uh, honestly <laughs> because uh, for me it's all about how you relate to the child and you said it yourself you you said you, I'm like more like an auntie figure like a like an adult friend in a way right like a safe adult or some, somebody used that expression in one of my interviews, and I loved it. I'm a safe adult. Somebody they can yeah. talk to, somebody they can, you know, go to for questions or something, but you're not really like that hands-on or responsible for everything that has to do with raising them, correcting them, and so on and so forth, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, so I will admit that in the beginning, and this is definitely something I explored on the podcast as well, I, like I had a lot of anxiety about who I was supposed to be to this kid it was really stressful for me to, to grapple with that and to, and to figure it out. But one of the things that my partner says, and it makes me emotional every time I talk about it. um, We, you know, we were having one of these conversations when I was having a lot of anxiety about it. And he said, just imagine what it would have been like for you to have someone like you when you were her age. And it just like, I burst into tears, (laughs) but it's, you know, it's really true. It's having having an adult who is not your parent just witness you and um and support you as you are figuring out who you are like i (laughs) that would have meant a lot to me at at her age that is definitely something that i that i didn't have and i mean the other piece of it too is that she has two loving parents they are not together anymore, but they are both very much involved in her life, and I don't want to interfere with that. I'm not interested in, you know, taking taking on uh, an identity as as her mother because I don't I, I don't want to interfere with the relationship she has with her actual mother. And so, to me, it it just feels more comfortable for me, and I suspect for, for her too, to just, to just be, like you said, a safe adult, someone who is there to, to witness and support and listen and, um, you know, try to guide her when she wants guidance, which is almost never, um, you know, when she, she's, so she's almost 14. She really is just oh, not, she's yeah. not really an adult at all right now. Yeah. Um, but, you know, but just to be a person in her life who cares about her and just for for her to know
0: that, I think, is is the most important thing right now. Absolutely. I'm so happy. I mean, it, it made me it made my heart warm when you mentioned, you know, what your partner told you, you know, having this figure in your life that could like help you. Or like support you and like see you because when you're a teenager, you just don't feel seen, right? Yeah. It's like, my parents don't get me. <laughs> and having like a an adult friend would have been very, and somebody who we know we can trust would have been very helpful for me too. So I totally like understand that. I love it. I love that the idea behind being that support person for her. I think that's awesome.
1: Yeah. And it, and it really works for us. Like I really try to take her lead on a lot of this. And, and my sense has been that she, like, she doesn't really view me as, as a mom. And I'm sure, you know, there's some, there's, there's like a feedback loop there, right? I don't, I don't really identify with that role. And so she doesn't see me like that and that's kind of how it goes. But, but I also am just willing to sort of let her take the lead on what this relationship is and, with the foundation of her knowing that I I am there to witness and support her.
0: I love that. Well, Sarah, I'm going to let you go very soon. But before I do, I wanted to ask you, um, I know that you have taken a hiatus from Maybe Someday podcast. Um, I see that the last episode that you published was back in 2019, right? Yeah. But you were telling me that you wanted to pick it up again, was it?
1: Yeah. So I... I took a hiatus from the podcast because uh, the 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 way that I had structured it was I would do interviews and publish episodes between sort of May and November of every year. And I really felt like i I came a long way in my own sort of grappling with what was going on um, for me. Um, But, and I had fully intended to pick things back up, but then of course, you know, 2020, uh, (laughs) 2020 happened. And uh, you know, I, so maybe someday is, is a, is a passion project. It's uh, it's a, it's a deeply personal project as we've talked a lot about, and it is totally outside of what I do in my life and my business. And, you know, the, the other, the consequence of 2020 was that I really had to focus on keeping my business afloat. And it, it just wasn't possible for me to maintain the podcast at the same time. And so I had to make a decision to to put it on hiatus for the year. And I'm, I'm still figuring out what that looks like for me going forward. So I would like to get back to it because I really loved having those conversations with uh, with guests and, and doing those reflections for myself. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure what's going to happen with the podcast at, at the moment.
0: Well, for anyone who's listening to this episode, all the episodes of the podcast are still up. So you can mm-hmm. find it, you can Google maybe some of podcasts, you can go to Sarah's website, which is maybe some of the com, or you can find it on Apple as well. I saw it on Apple podcasts um mm-hmm. and listened to all the episodes that she recorded and she aired uh on her on the seasons that um were done 2018 and 2019 it's been such a pleasure to have you here thank you so much again for coming thanks um, for having me sarah before i let you go uh is there anything else you would like to add and you know tell my audience anything at all
1: i'm i'm just really glad that that these conversations are, are happening in, in your space, Isabel. And I, I think your podcast is amazing. And I'm, I'm so glad that you're creating uh, a space for these conversations and the, you know, the nuance of, of these conversations around being child-free, right? That's, that's something we've talked a lot about in the last, you know, hour, I guess, is just that there, that there is nuance to this and it's important to to be respectful of that. And, and I, I think you just do such a beautiful job about that.
0: Thank you so much for your words. They really mean a lot to me. And to my firecrackers, I will leave you the links as always in the description of this podcast, of this episode, sorry. And uh, Sarah, again, thank you so much for coming. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Honest Uproar a podcast where modern, child-free women share their life stories and where we discuss important topics for the Cape free community. We hope you tune in next week for our newest episode. And since we love hanging out with you, please be sure to follow us on social media at The Honest Uproar and visit our website at thehonestuproar.com. If you like what you heard, feel free to share with your fierce, child-free firecracker friends. Until next time, continue fueling your inner fire.